Today, we talk TikTok, including how introverts can succeed on it, what goals a blogger can accomplish on it, and why it's not just for the kids these days. Next on Making Bacon. Hey there, I am Jason Logston, and this is Making Bacon, all about helping you serve your fans, grow your income, and get the most out of your blog. Today's episode is brought to you by the Lisa Eckes Group's virtual workshop. It's called How to Write a Cookbook, and it takes you through everything you need to know to, shockingly, write a cookbook. It includes the trade-offs of traditional versus self-publishing, how to pitch your book to a publisher, and when to approach an agent. It's a virtual workshop on February 22nd and 23rd. My birthday is the 22nd. I'm sure they planned it just for my birthday. Um, and it's limited to 10 people, so you get some real good hands-on service during it. For more information, you can email Sarah at lisaekus.com. That's S-A-R-A at lisaekus, E-K-U-S dot com. And on a personal note, I've known Sally from the Lisa Eckes group for a long time now, and you should check out the Making Bacon episode she did with us. It's full of great publishing information. She's always great to work with, knows a ton about publishing, and she's happy to share her expertise. Plus, they reference my self-publishing course as a resource, so you know that they have good taste. And remember, you can join us live every Thursday when we record these episodes. You can ask the guest questions, talk to the other bloggers in the comments, and even see our smiling faces. So join us Thursdays at makethatbacon.com slash live or search for Making Bacon on your favorite podcast platform. Now, on to the show. As bloggers, we are always towing the line between maximizing our exposure on existing platforms and searching for what will become the next Instagram. There's a lot of new social media services out there, but one that is quickly gaining popularity is TikTok. TikTok isn't just for dancing, though. It's also a great place for bloggers to share their work. And today's guest is the perfect person to show us how. She started her Instagram account in high school and now has almost 100,000 followers. She grew her TikTok account to 300,000 followers in eight months. This has led her to partner with some awesome brands, to start teaching cooking classes. And she's also been to over 25 countries, including Spain, Morocco, Myanmar, Japan, South Africa, and Nicaragua. She loves exploring other cultures, trying food from around the world, and cooking it at home. And that is what first inspired her to post on TikTok. If you have ever attended the International Food Blogger Conference, you also know her as the person behind the scenes making sure that everything runs smoothly. I can't wait to learn from today's guest, Sarah Walner. Sarah, welcome to Making Bacon. Hi, Jason. Thank you for having me. I'm really uh, glad you're joining us. We've got some few people in the comments joining already. So if you're in the comments, say hi. We got Megan Leal. And uh, Mike, he's, Mike says he's terrified of TikTok, but excited to learn. I think Mike yeah. would be dangerous if he was unleashed on TikTok. He's my co-founder <laughs> of the International Sous Vide Association. We have to get him on TikTok. And Megan says hi as well. So thank you for joining us. Anyone else joining in, make sure you say hi. Let us know what you're up to these days. And before we dive into TikTok, I like to ask, what is it like around your dinner table on a typical day? Oh, that's a great question. My family is very business-minded, entrepreneurial. So even as a kid, this is what we're talking about. But my dad's an entrepreneur. My mom's really creative. So I feel all our conversations are business ideas or just, you know, strategy and that kind of thing. So I kind of grew up around that. And I would say that kind of translated to now. And that's what we talk about. So you running a, a business and blogging uh, conference is not much of a stretch from your, your dinner time conversations. No, it's a, it's a passion. So it's great that it translated and I'm able to do something in that vein. 
it's nice it's growing up it set the set those pathways kind of being ready to move into this and kind of take on those responsibilities when it came when the opportunities presented themselves absolutely so obviously i'm super young and hip and i know all the latest social platforms but for those of my listeners who might not be up on them all can you talk a little bit about how tiktok works and how it's different from some of the other platforms yeah great question this is why i'm on tiktok is because of the differences of the other platforms i tiktok is video it's purely video you can post anywhere between a second to 60 seconds and i would say it's similar most people might be on instagram instagram reels and i think they kind of try to do what tiktok is doing so you just swipe up to different videos and you can post comments you can you know duet people and have a video side by side it's purely video it's kind of like vine if you know back in the day if people were on vine the difference is which i say the magic of tiktok is the algorithm and there's a page called the for you page and that's mainly i mean a few people that you follow might show up there but it's mainly people you don't follow and it's viral videos and it also shows those less viral videos and i say it's magic because anybody has the potential to go viral because you will show up on that for you page and then it's purely based on engagement so whether you have zero followers or a hundred thousand you will get on that page and if your video is good you have the potential to grow in views. And I think that's different from especially Instagram, which I'm on Instagram and I still struggle to get followers. You know, I kind of go up and down and I'm like, oh great, you know, we're on a good trajectory. And then all of a sudden it's just, I'm not getting anything. And you know, I might lose a few followers in the day. And it's the explore page that doesn't show those you know, new or you know less followed accounts that could be fantastic great but the the accounts just don't get the exposure that they need or they deserve i feel like on a lot of social media like you're saying it's so hard to stand out because only your followers see you and you're not really exposed yeah. to other people out there and you can put out the best content in the world but you know especially when you're getting started out if you're a few hundred instagram followers you know or don't mm -hmm you know, that's all that you can really grow to until you keep slowly adding more and more followers. So that's great that they highlight a lot of, a lot of lesser kind of creators content. Yes, definitely. You'll even see if you go on TikTok, a video might pop up with one like or two likes. And you're like, wow, I am that test group that their <laughs> TikTok is showing. And then if I engage, they'll push it to more and more people because TikTok is saying that, oh, people are engaging. It's an interesting video. Let me push it out. Seems like a good idea for the platform too, because they will get, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the larger um, producers, I feel like kind of get complacent and do kind of the same types of things. And it's those kind of the upstarts and the people that have less to lose in a lot of cases are doing more interesting things and getting that in front of people that might really resonate in a different way is a, a pretty smart move on their side. What type of videos have you found really get a lot of engagement of your own? Of my own. It's funny. I, you know, I did session at the food bloggers conference and this was one of the strategies. And I think this is the most interesting one was I said, be controversial. And I'm not talking, you know, religion or politics or anything. I say food controversial, which is you, you want to bring up a topic that people have a strong opinion about. And again, you might think it's po politics or something like that, but people have a really strong opinion about 
ranch or, you know, hot Cheetos or something. And then you have these two sides battling out in the comments. And it's interesting because you just put out this video and then you have these people engaging in the comments, liking other people's comments and responding. So I find that really fascinating and interesting of a strategy is kind of just be yourself and people will have an opinion about it. I think like when you're in your niche too, like you start to understand what those hot button issues are, that it's for the sous vide niche, I can go into pretty much any sous vide group on Facebook and say like, hey, I really love um, putting butter in my bag when I cook steaks. And this mm -hmm. will send off people into a spiral of <laughs> arguments and about what is wrong with you and arguing back and forth. And it's like you're saying, I'm not like, this is not this controversial mm -hmm opinion that would you know get me in trouble at a, a cocktail party is just like hey put butter in your bag and people will be so fired up by it yeah what's the community like you know i think we think of twitter as being kind of like there's a lot of snark and a lot of like back and forth mm -hmm. kind of instagram seems to be a little more supportive facebook's all over the place what is the if you post something controversial is it you know friendly back and forth or is it more like you're a moron back and forth you know, I've kind of gotten both. I want to say it's more supportive. Um, sometimes when it's like those not really important topics, people do like come at me or something. And then I see people do coming to my defense, just saying, you know, like, do your thing and have fun. And, you know, you're not hurting anybody. But sometimes when you're talking about like bigger topics, people really do support other people and come to their defense and say like, hey, you know, we all love you. And you see that comment has, you know, 20, 50,000 likes on just that comment of people supporting that person. Whereas like my side, I get that and people saying, oh, I love what you do. And, you know, keep being yourself. And your videos make me happy or something. And that makes my day. And then you get those, you know, a little bit more rare, but you do get a few people who are like, you know, uh, you're annoying or something. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> you're not part of the people I'm trying to reach. So you yeah. don't have to follow me. <laughs> I'm like, thanks for your comment. It helps boost my video in general, but you know, <laughs> keep doing my thing. Mike says ranch. Uh, yes. Hot Cheetos. No. So ah. that's his, his take on those. <laughs> Are the videos stylistically different on TikTok than say reels or especially YouTube videos? Like do certain videos do better there? And is there a kind of a different feel to them? Yes. And that's also why I think a lot of people like TikTok is the difference in the videos. I find this is just my what I'm seeing on Instagram. They're a little bit more put together, like beautiful lighting. That's the majority of the videos. And I think TikTok is a little bit more casual. You have you know, nice lighting, but it's not the full production. You do have those accounts, but it's also just sharing ideas and thoughts and opinions and that sort of thing. And it's the short video rather than YouTube. And I know YouTube is getting into the YouTube sh shorts, but I think it's all stemming from TikTok and just kind of thoughts. I see people just say, oh, this is my daily meditation or these are my daily thoughts or something like that. And I don't see that on other platforms. And those videos are getting a lot of engagement because it's more relatable. You know, there's a lot more of those videos on TikTok, I would say. So you said they're all under 60 seconds. So I could see mm -hmm. using it as like a video diary that you're saying, you know, getting stuff out there and 
you know, yeah. a lot of times if something's on your mind, if it's quick and easy to get out there and you don't feel like you have to have a big production behind it or has mm -hmm. to be super poignant, you know, uh -huh. that it would get a lot more interaction and kind of drive some of those comments. And you said it's similar a little bit to Instagram reels, right? That it is kind of this, you know, less produced, more kind of off the cuff. Yes, less produced, more off the cuff. You can react to other people's videos. So it's called a duet. And I post a video and I posted a video yesterday of ramen popcorn and it's ramen. <laughs> yeah, that's like fried and you put it into popcorn. And to me, that was mind blowing. But again, a little controversial. A lot of people like, no, I would never. And I'm like, oh, interesting. But I had someone react to my video. They had my video next to them and then their reaction of just they're making faces. And that's a little unique to TikTok of that, you know, interacting with other people through video as well. It seemed like when I was going through it a little bit that it's a little more playful than some of the other platforms. And mm -hmm. some of that is due to the duet. Like I saw Gordon Ramsay's channel and it's basically him just making fun <laughs> of other people's, you know, TikTok videos that he's mm -hmm. doing like his normal Gordon Ramsay thing is someone's doing, you know, their own recipe. And it's, it did seem a little more lighthearted and a little more just like, Hey, people might get a kick out of this. Not here's, you know, a super important thing that I need to share with all of you and need to pay attention to. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's definitely entertainment. A lot of this and Gordon and having Gordon Ramsay do at you do at your video and call you a donut or something is, you know, like a blessing. You're like, wow, I feel so special. And it's just a joke. It's just fun. And I, and I think each social media platform has their own you know, inside jokes. And I'm not really on Twitter, but my friends love Twitter. And every time I go on Twitter, I'm like, oh, I don't really understand this tweet. And they're like, yeah, you have to be on Twitter a while to get it. And I think that's similar to TikTok. However, you know, it's easy. The trends are every day they're changing. So you'll jump into a new one, then you'll see videos about that, then you'll get into the next one. So I, I think there's that inside humor and playfulness on TikTok. Megan says she thinks uh, TikTok is the chaotic good in the RPG chart of social media platforms. If anyone else out there is nerdy enough to understand that. I, I do remember my high school uh, Dungeons and Dragons playing Megan. So yes, I agree. I could see that it is, you never know what's going to come, but normally it's going to be a, a pretty good thing that will bring, you know, is towing the line a little bit, but you just never know quite what's coming down the pipe. Right. And I think that's what's cool again about TikTok is everyone, you engage with certain videos and like the video or go to someone's profile. And then TikTok, very smart. And a lot of people don't like this because it's, you know, privacy issues, they're thinking and like learning. But TikTok is learning a lot about you just by what you like. And then they are feeding you videos that they think you'll like. And 90% of the time, 95% of the time, I do like the video. So I stay on the app. It's easy to lose time and stay on the app. So you'll find that your For You page is customized to what you like. And I'm purely on like the food TikTok, but other people are on, you know, fishing TikTok or something like that. Never go on TikTok hungry, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> what type of content is good for bloggers to put out there? If someone is interested in exploring this, you know, is it, you know, talking about the recipes? Is it showing recipes? Is it just talking about what you have planned as a blogger? What are some good approaches that like, especially food bloggers can take? Great question. And I'm going to say that there no idea is a bad idea. So if I give an idea, that's 
you know, just some ideas, but I think every single person has a viral idea in their head. It's just putting it on video and then posting it. I see things on there that I'm like, oh, I've been doing this for years. And people are like, wow, this is mind blowing. So there's stuff like that. But some strategies are posting tips or tricks or, you know, these hacks. Um, And I'm sure a lot of people that are really passionate about a certain industry or spend most their data know these tips and tricks. So cooking, it's pretty easy, you know, how to slice an onion or something like that. I was talking to Kathy Hester, who was also, you know, people know Kathy Hester. She's a great vegan food blogger. She goes live all the time. She posted a video on cutting up onion and then putting it in the freezer and then dividing it. So so you can just take a, like a packet of frozen onion out and cook with that. And a little tip, a little trick, something like that will really catch people's attention. So I would say that's one strategy to do. Another thing is to post, I find copycat recipes. My take on like a copycat recipe of a restaurant people love because they already know that, you know, they already know that they're trying to go after. And so if you can bring that to them and they can make it at home, they love you for it. And I get a lot of of that. And then you have a lot of people saying, oh, can you make this or, you know, commenting based on the video of what they want you to make next. So those are just a few of the strategies that I usually go by and something unique like the ramen popcorn that no one's ever seen before. If you have a few of those quick snack recipes, people love you. And it seems like if they're, the algorithm does kind of pick content that people are probably going to be interested in, that if you do dive into your niche and mm-hmm. do more niche-specific things, you don't have to worry about it being quite as large of a general appeal because hopefully it will get it into the hands of the people that would be interested in that type of specific type of cooking. And as long as it resonates with them, that's all you really need. You don't need to resonate with all your followers because they might not even end up seeing it, right? Absolutely. I, you should always make a video for your non-followers. So it shouldn't be, we, we, I talked about inside jokes. It shouldn't be such an inside joke that no one will understand if they watch the video. You should maybe reference something you mentioned in the past and then go on with the video just so people are caught up. Usually if you do, are too specific, only a few followers or only your followers will really like that video because they understand. And not every follower is watching every single one of your videos typically. <laughs> As and much as we would like I, to think they were, right? <laughs> I know. I Sometimes I'm like, come on, guys, like, where are you at? But yeah, unfortunately, that's just not the case. People e- either, you know, they don't see the actual video if they're on the platform or they're doing something else. There's a ton of content out there. So my goal is to always catch people's attention of those that are not following me with like a hook or, you know, saying something controversial at the very beginning of the video. Because again, it is video and my generation, the younger generation, the the attention span is short. So within the first two seconds, I would say, you got to say something that will keep them on the video. I took a class with Tim Schmoyer on YouTube, and I thought he had a really interesting point talking about what type of subjects to cover or who to read, like who to mm-hmm. aim your videos for. And he said he always did three different types of videos. The one was like a sales video that it was like, you know, people that he had built up trust with, it'd be like, here's that product that I offer. But then the two main videos that made up the bulk of his videos were one was a community video. And that's like the inside joke that no one else is going to get. And it's just people in your community see it. They're like, oh, I get that. 
And then all the rest were what he called discovery videos. And those were ones that were completely designed for people that have never seen you before necessarily, but it's to reach all those new, the new audience and the new people. So they get a good first impression. And then once they're part of the community, they'll appreciate the other community videos down the road. I thought that was a right. good way of approaching it. I think that's a great strategy and there's no limit to the content that you can post. So, you know, not every single video has to follow, you know, meet this checklist. Sometimes you can just post what you want and the people who want to see it kind of will see it. And it's just you. I, I think of TikTok or Instagram as just a portfolio of things that I've done. So whatever you want to post, I 100% agree that that there's no limit to like the specific things, but following that line of, you know, maybe pitching, building that trust, then the discovery, and then, you know, something to your followers is fantastic. Megan says, I'm on TikTok, but one thing I don't understand, what does it mean when someone actually comments FYP on your video? Does it make it show up on theirs or others or what is actually happening? That's really funny because I had this exact same question and someone commented that on my video and I desperately searched on Safari <laughs> or Google what that means. It just means for you page, FYP. And if someone someone comments that on your video, that means they found you through the For You page. So they're kind of saying, hey, I, you know, I, I wasn't following you or, hey, I just want to let you know that I'm seeing you. So it just means For You page. And it doesn't do anything like hashtags in the comments. Let's just say they hashtagged it. That doesn't necessarily mean it's being pushed to more people or it's under that hashtag. It just means that they want to interact with their video and they saw you on the For You page. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you. <laughs> you always see, like you're saying, there's there are those things that if you aren't part of the community, you're like, I have no idea what this means. Yeah. And even if you are part of it, it it's just a little some some other part of the community that you don't you don't quite get. Definitely. Um, just, thank you. Purely informational feedback. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so as bloggers, you know, we obviously have unlimited time to do whatever we want all the time, and we are never behind the eight ball or stressed. How can we fit another platform into our workflow? How do you think that a blogger should go about working TikTok into what they're already doing? This was my biggest hurdle to get over because you're right, you know, I have all the time in the world, but yeah, I'm working on a few different projects. And if you're already making video for YouTube or Instagram reels, you're 95% there. You just need to post on TikTok. It's the same, what is it? 16 by nine, is that the ratio? It's just yeah. the vertical ratio that you should be posting on TikTok. So if it is a YouTube video where it's horizontal, I recommend either cropping it or, you know, maybe taking some snippets out of that and posting it, you know, TikTok friendly or Instagram reel friendly. But I would say you can reuse content. I typically make content for TikTok. And then I, once I'm done with my food, I'm already taking photos and videos and that sort of thing. So I already have posts for Instagram or my story. I'm not super into YouTube yet, but I do post all my TikToks on YouTube. And purely from that, I've grown in a thousand followers or something just from that. And I link it on my TikTok, but people will discover your, your videos, even though they're not the horizontal videos. And I think YouTube is putting more time into those shorts. Same with Instagram reels. I take my TikTok and I think Instagram reels is, 
15 to 30 seconds. So I edit out, you know, kind of the beginning where I'm like, this is the most amazing food. And I kind of, I edit that part out and I just say, get right into the recipe. Sometimes I speed it up. So I talk a little bit faster, but I'm finding huge success posting my TikTok video right to Instagram reels because there, it's a different audience, meaning, you know, some, I find people on TikTok aren't necessarily following me on Instagram. There is some overlap, but most people are excited and want to see it on this platform and haven't seen it on the other one. So repurpose content, TikTok to Instagram, to YouTube, that's mainly what I, I do. And I find I've found success. Nice. Yeah. I love the concept of reusing content. It's something that mm-hmm. is one of the reasons why I've been able to put out all my cookbooks and courses is because I do reuse so much of my content. And like you're saying, people don't follow us on, unless they're bloggers, they are not on all the social media platforms like we generally are. So they might follow you on one or two. And if they do follow you on multiple ones, they're probably one of those super fans that are more than happy to see your extra content. They're not going to be upset that they see it. Absolutely. And if I, I post all my TikToks on Instagram stories first, and I engage with people. I ask them questions and usually it uploads into like four segments of a story. It's like a 60 seconds for Instagram. And I say, have you ever tried this recipe or, you know, for popcorn ramen, have you ever tried this? Or do you like ramen? And people love, again, if they're a super fan, they're following on multiple accounts. They want to interact with you more and more. And you're giving them that opportunity to give feedback on the recipe or just to get excited about it. From a kind of more in the weeds standpoint, what is the mm-hmm. what technology do you use to record your video, upload it to the various services? Are you just using the native camera? Is there an app that you use? What's kind of your your actual tech stack <laughs> that you use to accomplish it? If you're just starting out on TikTok, I would recommend well, first recording. I use a basic iPhone. My iPhone's right here. I use that. I don't have a fancy camera. I find the quality of the camera is quite nice when you see a lot of detail it's very very clear and so i just record on my phone and then i used to upload it right to tiktok and then in tiktok they provide a very good free editing service and you can shorten each clip you can speed it up or you can slow it down so if you're just starting off on tiktok i would recommend doing something like that just because it's easy it's in the app it's free now i've transitioned over i have the adobe suite so that includes adobe or premiere rush and it's just another app on my phone where i upload it and it's just a little bit more user friendly i pretty much do the exact same thing of just shortening clips and speeding them up or something like that or you know cutting them to move them but that's what i do and then in tiktok i add voiceovers to all of my videos videos. And I do that in TikTok. I upload that video that I made in Premiere Rush right to TikTok. And then, you know, I don't know if someone's on TikTok now, but in the right hand corner, you see a little voiceover button and you can record it right there. And I think the audio is great. It's very easy. And then that's it. it. I don't think you need, you know, extra equipment, even ring light. I'm looking at my ring light right now. I have one just because it's dark for, you know, interviews, but I never use it for recording video. I use natural light and I only record during the daytime on sunny days. It's a little rainy today. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to skip today. But you don't need a ton of equipment. Nice. I'm always curious about how people do the multiple postings just because I feel like everyone has a slightly different process on it. And if it's one of those things, if you are doing it to four or five different services, if you can shave off, you know, 
five minutes here and there that frees up <laughs> a good amount of time every day. Yeah. Uh, other mm -hmm. stuff. Megan says she she did that with one of her last videos and put the hashtag shorts on the YouTube one and it got 1500 views in less than a day. Says that's bonkers for her channel. So congratulations, Megan. That is awesome. That's awesome. It is fun seeing which content that you post on one translates well to another platform and which mm -hmm. ones don't because it's definitely not always the same content that's successful uh, across yeah. different platforms. Yeah, I've had one video successful on YouTube. I posted Instagram Reels and nothing and vice versa. So it is interesting. And you can kind of tell the different demographic, maybe an audience on each platform. But that's fantastic. YouTube short. And I think each platform is now putting more effort into showing those videos like Instagram now has that, you know, reel right at the bottom, where you used to have to go somewhere else to find it. And now YouTube's putting more effort into that. So that's fantastic. Yeah, as soon as something's successful, they all start trying to <laughs> jump onto it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Looking at a lot of the big platforms that are out there today, especially from a blogger perspective, I feel like each of them have kind of a big goal that food bloggers latch onto. Mm -hmm. Like for, you know, Pinterest is all about driving traffic, right? Everyone talks about their mm -hmm. Pinterest traffic. Instagram seems to be about expanding your brand a lot more. You know, Facebook was traffic, but then they changed everything. And now it's about building a community. Mm -hmm. And Bloggers always run into trouble when, you know, trying to use a platform for something it's not designed for. It's why people always complain like, well, I don't know how to drive traffic to my blog from Instagram. And it's like, right. well, that's not the point of Instagram. It's really mm -hmm. hard to do. What is kind of that big goal of TikTok? What should bloggers be trying to accomplish when they're using it? I would say it's similar to Instagram, which is your brand. TikTok is similar again in the way that you can't click on any link unless it's in your bio. There's one place where you can put a website and that's where you put it, which is kind of unfortunate, but I think TikTok's really focused around, you know, having people enjoy the app rather than like the sales part of it, which is okay because I don't, I mean, I promote my reps website in, in the sense I'm like, Go to my website if you want the full written recipe, but I still provide the full recipe in the video and I still have people going to my profile and clicking my website. So it's interesting that a lot of people will take that next step to go to your website and to go look at videos or maybe check out more equipment or something if you have that on there. So I would say it's mostly brand focused on your if you do that, you will see some direct traffic to your website or whatever you post in your, your link, whatever you're trying to get across. Cool. So all about growing your brand, bringing in those new followers, like you were saying, because it should hopefully put you in front of a lot of new people. Mm -hmm. And then some percent of them will dribble over to your blog. <laughs> and you can link your Instagram and you can, I was just saying, you can link your Instagram and your YouTube too. So you can kind of get a few followers there. Oh, nice. That makes sense. So you can kind of push into whatever platform you're most interested in and share the audience a little bit. Yeah. So a lot of food bloggers aren't extroverts. Um, and I feel like there's this fear of a platform like TikTok, where most of the viral videos <laughs> seem to be people, you know, dancing and singing and doing things we might not feel comfortable with. How do you approach mm -hmm. that aspect of it, especially if you're not someone who gets out there, you know, and would generally do that type of stuff? That's funny because I would not say I'm an extrovert. I would be more of an introvert. And I, I, it took me a while. If you scroll down on my TikTok, you'll see it's literally just food to music, like just photos of food and that's it. And then I transitioned to 
my voice, putting my voice on there. And you can see at the very beginning, it's me kind of talking monotone. And, you know, I wasn't that confident. You can hear it in my voice. And then I slowly upped my voice and my excitement because I was just, you know, with the learning process. And then I incorporated myself. So I think that might be a good strategy for people who are just really not ready. However, just like any platform, you know, no one really cares meaning they want to see you, they love you, they want to interact with you. And they each person is so unique. So I would say definitely be you people want to see you. But if you're just not ready, it's okay, post something post something that's on your Instagram that you have, I'm sure a lot of these foodies already have videos of food on their phone, maybe put it to music and just start. And I think the more you see TikTok and the more you see the community, I was talking about the comments There's some negative comments, but I would say in general, people are very supportive and they want to see other people succeed. And if they like you, they will comment and they will be supportive. So it is the process, I understand, but just post something and I'm sure it, it will grow. And you can do different styles and techniques of just putting your voice in. And I see a lot of food bloggers or food TikTokers that are very, very successful. And all they see is maybe like, you know, their apron from like their neck down with them cooking right in front of that. And that's it. And that's great. That's your style. Sounds like a great plan. Just get out there with something, even if it is just the food, and then you can start <laughs> layering on more and more as you become more comfortable with it. But yeah. to get started, don't overthink it. Just get out there and start doing it. <laughs> just post, yeah. <laughs> So I want to talk about the International Food Blogger Conference. It's the mm -hmm. other thing. It's how we first met was uh, you were helping plan that. I think you were an intern maybe back then. Yeah. But, was that New Orleans, I think? That was yeah. quite a while ago. Yes, I was interning. <laughs> Two conferences, but it's like four or five years now. <laughs> <It's>, right. Yes. <laughs> so I honestly currently don't know your full role there because I feel like you are a part of every interaction I've had as either an attendee or a speaker. <laughs> it seems like you do everything. Can you talk some about what FBC is and wh what you do there? Yes, absolutely. I started as an intern. And that's how we met. And it was mostly marketing. And then I took over the marketing aspect for about a year and then loved it so much. And I you know, had a full-time job there where I did the marketing for each conference. And the International Food Bloggers Conference is under Zephyr Conferences, who runs five different conferences. So I was touching a little bit of each conference. And it was a team effort for sure. My coworker is doing all the logistics. I don't know how she does that. But I was taking care of the marketing and we had, you know, sponsorship. All of it came together. Now, specifically, if you see me, I'm touching a little bit more of everything because I've kind of taken the International Food Bloggers Conference as my baby, especially with COVID and changing up and everything's, you know, a little bit different. So taking care of, you know, event management, whether that be content or you know, Jenny Melrose is helping us with speakers. So there is still a team effort there, but touching a little bit more of it. And if you see me now during like their virtual summits, I'll be emceeing those. So you'll definitely see me and anything marketing related. That is also me, social media. Sometimes you'll see like Facebook posts and kind of the face behind the name, I say. But to kind of summarize, it's event management. So anything IFBC related and then, you know, marketing. That's my role. 
So with the pandemic coming in, IFBC <laughs> had to cancel the in-person event and they went to, you know, did, you're putting on four virtual events this year and then did one virtual event last year and hopefully another in-person one. Can you talk a little bit about the virtual events that you've been, that you've been putting on and what the next upcoming one is? Yeah, absolutely. It's pretty exciting because last year we did one three-day event with a lot of different sessions and Jason joined us there, which was awesome. And now we're moving into four separate summits. They're each one day. And it's interesting because we're theming them. So our first theme was social media. Now we're going to talk about website and SEO. Then it's, you know, monetization, which Jason knows all about the <laughs> king of, you know, different revenue streams and <laughs> making sure you make money from doing what you love and then going into productivity. So it's really cool because we're diving into the details of each topic. So we had one in January. They're each two months apart. We had one in January. Now we're having one in March 18th. So if you're interested in growing your blog on the website, SEO, we have recipe writing as well as a session. You can definitely check us out there. And we will, we're full steam ahead for an in-person conference, October 1st through the 2nd in El Paso, Texas. So if you're interested in that too, we are, again, full steam ahead. We're working closely with El Paso and we hope it's going to be a safe we know it's going to be a safe conference. We wouldn't hold it if it wasn't going to be, but hopefully we get to see everybody in person again. Yeah. Like I've really enjoyed the virtual summits that you've put on, mm -hmm. but I mean, let's be honest. It, the experience doesn't quite compare to like doing a food tour of New Orleans or beer tasting mm -hmm. on top of a glacier in Alaska. Mm -hmm. um, what yes. your IFBC is known for amazing excursions. What mm -hmm. are you lining up for El Paso? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. And I think that's important about the IFBC is we change locations each year. So we were in New Orleans doing some food tours and then we were in Alaska. I was going to say last year, but I guess that's two years ago now in 2019. We did beer tasting on top of a glacier and we had some oysters. So that was very cool for just going to the website right now, just so I you know, don't miss anything. But we have a few different excursions. We were hoping to travel down to Mexico for one of them. But now obviously COVID with restrictions, more we don't know. Yeah, a little bit more complicated. But if we can make that work safely, we, we will. We also were planning just a food tour of the you know, the El Paso area, and they're really growing and putting a lot more money to expand all of that. We are still in the works for a few, a few other ones that we're hoping to, you know, have for everybody. But again, we're just making sure we can do it safe and we can do it in a way that, you know, everybody enjoys it, whether people go to different restaurants or we have all the restaurants come to us and have these offerings for everybody. And what is unique too is each year we have the taste of, so it's the taste of, you know, Juneau, Alaska, and then we have the taste of El Paso. So we do have a bunch of different restaurants come and have offerings and display beautiful food. And I just love going around taking pictures of these unique things that everybody, everybody has that I probably wouldn't ever try if I didn't, you know, go to El Paso and experience this. That's one of my favorite things about the IFBC in-person events is just the, the excursions are always great. The food and the, mm -hmm. the receptions are always a great time and the networking and just hanging out with other people that are passionate about food and blogging is always, uh, it's always a great time. I've enjoyed uh, the two that I've gone to. And like I said, I've really liked the virtual ones as well. You, you've been doing a great job with those and <laughs> okay. it's, uh, 
a different animal. Uh, like mm-hmm. we were talking beforehand that I, for the International Sous Vide Association, I do monthly like showcase. We've done a virtual summit. So I know how much goes into that and it is not easy to put it together and your operations always top notch. So I appreciate that. I appreciate it. If people want to get more from you, they can obviously find you on TikTok at Taste and Traveler. They can find mm-hmm. you on Instagram at underscore recipes underscore. You have a blog, saltandpepper.xyz. And you're also on Instagram at Sarah Walner Eats. Anywhere else? IFBC, foodbloggerconference.org. Yes. <laughs> Yes, foodbloggerconference.org, foodbloggerconference on Instagram. We're also on Twitter, IFBC, a few different, you know, usernames. But if you go to my website or if you go to the Food Bloggers website, you'll find all our social media linked there as well. Awesome. Well, Sarah, I appreciate you coming on, sharing your expertise. You've inspired me that I'm going to have to throw something up on TikTok and at least give it a shot. Megan says, this was wonderful. Thank you so much. And we really appreciate you coming on and kind of demystifying this new social media platform for us. I think it has a lot of potential, like you said, and it sounds a lot less scary now than it did uh, an hour ago. Good. I'm glad. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to seeing your content and everybody else's. You can DM me or, you know, tag me in something and I'd, I'd love to check it out. Well, I will definitely do that. And I will be tuning in for the next IFBC virtual conference. So I will see you then. And thanks to everyone in the comments for you know participating, asking questions. Remember, everyone that's listening, you can join us live every Thursday when we record these episodes. You can ask the guest questions, talk to the other bloggers in the comments, and even see our smiling faces. So join us Thursdays at makethatbacon.com slash live or search for Make and Bacon on your favorite podcast platform. We have Matt Mullen coming up in two weeks, which should be a good look at some of the list building and newsletters. And then we have Huge is coming on. He does a lot of great brand photography and he'll be on at the end of the month and end of next month. So it should be some really good guests coming up. So appreciate you all coming in and hanging out with us. So this has been Making Bacon. We're all about helping you serve your fans, grow your income and get the most out of your blog. Till next time, I'm Jason Logston. See you next Thursday.